Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. John Russin here, having a difficulty with my words right out of the box this morning. (laughs) Frank Friedman, I know life is busy, my friend, but you're heading off to Kentucky for a conference, aren't you? Yes, sir, and hoping to be able to minister life to people there. Lord willing, be a great time. Oh, we'll trust that it will be. Well, Frank, for the last nearly five months, you and I have been spending time in what I like to call the real deep trenches of life. We've been Mm -hmm. talking about suffering, but today we're going to shift focus a little bit and we're going to change from comfort and encouraging during suffering to, frankly, (laughs) it's meddling. And we're going (laughs) to meddle and talk about the need to forgive one another Mm -hmm. because often our suffering comes at the hands of others. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so As I've looked at it, my friend, and I know you've seen this the same way, forgiving other people has got to be one of the most crucial issues in our Christian life, isn't it? Yeah, John, this is, I believe in my own heart and just through years of walking with God myself and then walking others as they experience the difficulties of life, that forgiveness is one of the key issues of whether or not we're going to experience experience Jesus and the new covenant in our lives. We may possess all the glories of the new covenant, righteousness and peace and joy and grace and the life of God, but a lack of forgiveness or bitterness, which will be the fruit of that, will hinder the experience of what we possess. And John, this topic is near and dear to my heart Because, you know, there were a lot of things that happened in my life growing up, and then I became a believer, and the church was telling me to forgive. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. Uh, Well, how do you do it? Well, you just do it. And that lack of understanding communicated to me walking in bondage for quite a while. So ultimately, I had to do my own deep dive into Scripture and learn what scripture had to say about this issue, because the enemy, and I think he knows that this is such an important issue, has put a lot of lies out there and created a lot of confusion to keep us from being able to forgive. And this is a tough enough issue, John, without all the confusion. When you and I over the years have called people to forgive, You've heard this. I've heard this. What? Me forgive them for what they did to me? I will never forgive them. Things like that. And people fail to understand what the New Testament teaches, that forgiveness is not for the offender. It's for the one who's been hurt. It's to set them free. And John, here's the thing I would say by way of introduction. We can't change what happened to us, but we can change what we do 
with what happened to us. And we can respond biblically and experience the freedom that Christ died to give us, even for those horrendous things that were done to us. Wow, that was a great encapsulation, my friend. Now, you've done a marvelous job basically describing out for our listeners exactly what we're going to be talking about over the next who knows how many weeks. Oh, so, so we could just close in prayer? Yeah, today? we can close in prayer because who wants to talk about forgiving someone else? We love to talk about how we've been forgiven, but the other way around, eh, not so much. You know, mm. Frank, you mentioned confusion and misunderstanding. Well, being the kind of guy I am, I started to look around and and say, what does the world actually think about forgiveness? And I found two quotes that really <laughs> tickled me. Here's the first one. Mm. The first step to forgiveness is understanding that the other person is a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I get it. I really uh, do. How, how about this one? Sure. I plan to forgive and forget. I'm going to forgive how stupid I was and forget I ever met you. <laughs> oh, you know, so I put them together and I got this little formula, Frank. This okay. is what we commonly get from the world from a perspective of forgiveness. It's rejection and dismissal. Mm. And it's a horrible formula because as many times as we're going to be wounded by other people in life, we can very quickly rack up a list of rejected and dismissed people that's so long that we're lonely. We don't, we don't have any friends. Or sometimes mm. we bundle rejection and dismissal with this. And this is a good one from uh, being a Sicilian growing up the way I was tied in with revenge. And so yeah. our favorite phrase is, hey, you're dead to me now, but I'm going to get you back. So you this go. is what the world says about mm. forgiveness. And you know, sadly, my friend, it's in the church as well. So here's mm. another one. This is C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. And this, I think, gets a little closer to the truth about what we experience in the body of Christ. Forgiveness is a lovely idea until it's our turn to have something to forgive. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's, you know, and I tell you, Frank, you have done so much counseling over the years. How much has unforgiveness been a hindrance in the lives of believers? Uh, John, it's almost universal. What has brought people into the counseling arena, into the office of hope, hopeful healing, is that they have lived in the trenches of a fallen world, as we like to say. Those trenches have been the result, usually, of people, people they trusted, people they loved, people who expressed love to them, who then wounded them. And love isn't supposed to wound. We know Proverbs talks about faithful wounds, wounds that are given in love and truth and gentleness and harmony. But those are rare occurrences. Most times people are reacting, usually in a self-protection, which causes them to lash out at others in order to protect themselves. And then, of course, there's the whole world system of use and abuse and get your needs met at the expense of another person. And so uh, almost universally, people come in 
And we will have to deal with teaching them who they are in Christ, teach them the grace and mercy of God, the glory of the new covenant that Christ lives in them to be all that he is to and for them. But then, of course, we come to the issue of settling old business. And that's where forgiveness has to come in in order to be truly liberated from what happened to us and liberated to function in a new covenant economy expressing the life of Christ. So it always rears its head, John. I know when I went through this exercise some years ago, for the first time, I've done it many times since then, you find out very quickly that forgiveness can be very hard because mm-hmm. we have to go back in time, so to speak, to that offense. And for most of us, we've ignored, we've tried to hide it away. And we got to take it out of the closet and expose it to the daylight again. And often I found from my personal experience, Frank, it can be just as painful, maybe even more painful than the time we received the wound. Mm. And so this is not an easy path to follow if we're going to truly unpack the deep wounds and live free from them through forgiveness. Because as you mentioned earlier, We have all the blessings of being in Christ, but so often, my friend, they seem to be tied to how well and how thoroughly we forgive other people. Isn't that right? Yes, John. In fact, I'm going to remind you of what you told me so many, many years ago when you did a spiritual inventory of your life under the leading of the Holy Spirit, we were using Psalm 139, I trust you remember. Oh, yes. Who says, show me the hurtful ways that are in me. And a lot of times we just let time go by and think that we're healing, we're forgiving. And the bottom line is time heals nothing. Forgiveness is an act of the will to release a debt that is owed. And that takes an effort on the part of those who walk by faith. And John, I trust you remember that as the Holy Spirit began to expose to you all the hurtful things that had never been forgiven. And then when you exercise your will in faith and chose to forgive, I trust you remember you told me, wow, That was like going through surgery without anesthesia, but the surgery got done. Yeah. Boy. (laughs) Do you remember that? What what an insightful thing to say. And, you know, it is just so incredibly true. The bottom line is, Frank, that we have to forgive the inexcusable in other people, Mm. no matter how bad it is, because... God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. It doesn't matter what we've done, when we've done it, how many times we've done it, how much harm we caused. He will forgive that and make it possible to restore relationship between us. And so it's hard to get around that benchmark. Mm -hmm. That's how God treats us. And that's how he commands us to treat other people. But it's one thing, my friend, to forgive someone if they bump into me in church and they make me spill my Diet Mountain Dew on Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, it's something entirely different when the one you're married to 
suddenly becomes unfaithful and betrays you. A drunk driver hits your car and someone you love is paralyzed or dead or uh, your parents who are supposed to love and protect and shepherd you wind up abusing you. Someone lies about you, destroys your reputation. You personally get physically, emotionally, sexually abused. And Frank, the list goes on. Mm. And so what we're going to be talking about in this series of episodes is not the Mountain Dew spills. We're talking about these major league offenses mm. that just ratchet up the difficulty to forgive. And unfortunately, they ratchet up our reluctance, our unwillingness to give without a direct command from our father. So we're we're walking in some deep stuff here, my friend. Yes, John. And this is where you mentioned meddling. And that's, a, that's of course, a very good word, but it's meddling with a purpose. And that's where the church, as you and I have said for decades together, we're to be a hospital. And so our meddling is with the purpose of healing. And the whole idea of a hospital, John, is that people don't take up permanent residence there. They go there for a season, they get better, and then they go live again. And that's really, I think, what the root of this issue of forgiveness is all about. God wants us healed. He wants us liberated so we can experience the life he gives us in Christ. And that's what this is all about. And I hope that our listeners out there, John, don't shy away from this topic because it is difficult. We don't want to remember the past. Uh, in fact, in the New Testament, we're not called to focus on the past. But here's a, a real important point, John, that I think we need to make. A lot of people misquote Philippians 3, where Paul said, I forget what lies behind and I press on. And so they mistakenly say, we should never be looking at our past. Stay in the context if you would, please. And if you just read a little earlier in that chapter, Paul shared his past. <laughs> yeah. So it's not that he forgets his past. It's that he deals with it so that he can move on in Christ. And that's, that's right. what forgiveness is all about. It's dealing with those things that are hindering your walk of faith. And it needs to be done. That's right. Frank, God calls us to I'll use a word you use commonly, a radical forgiveness. But I just realized he doesn't call us like he invites us. Ephesians 4.32, when he says, forgive one another, that's a command. That's an mm -hmm. imperative. And not only does he give us a command to do it, but he gives us the yardstick for measuring how to do it. Just mm -hmm. as in Christ, God forgave you. So, it's not only a command, it's the standard. And mm -hmm. frankly, anything less than that is not really obedience or forgiveness. So I got a question, Frank. I know this is a softball question, but I'll toss it to you. How can we possibly forgive the way God forgives? Mm -hmm. Well, John, you know, just listening to you, I'm reminded as well, that's a very short passage, a quick one hitter verse or phrase, but Jesus told a parable with a very long story. You remember it where the wicked servant could not pay these massive debts and he begged for mercy. 
the master forgave him massive debt. And then the servant went to another servant that owed him a little debt and put him in jail <laughs> until he paid the debt. And his master was very upset with him because he had received so much, but couldn't give a little. And John, you know, when you put that in the context, we owed a massive debt to God that we could never repay. He forgave us that massive debt so that you and I can forgive the little debts that other people owe us. And people say, little? Well, I was robbed. I was beaten. I was raped. I was sexually abused. Please don't take our words out of context. It, we say little only in terms of the forgiveness we received from God, which was massive. Those are not little wounds. They are huge wounds, but we're still called to forgive them for us, for our own walk, for our freedom. And John, you say, how are we going to do that? Only because of the glory of the new covenant that the Lord Jesus established in his finished work, which took the wrong us, crucified us, buried us, did away with us, never to be seen again, so that he could resurrect us as right ones, so that he, the right one, could live inside of us. And so that command, John, is not only a standard by which we measure our own forgiveness, that command is actually a promise to us that the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ, the strength he gives us, will empower us to do the unthinkable, which is to forgive those who hurt us very, very deeply. Yeah. So it is a command. It is a standard. We've received it gloriously. And it's also a promise wow. that we'll be able to do the same. That's Powerful, right. John. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. But, you know, Frank, we've talked about this before. The times we have spoken with people, they've shared their pain, they've shared their wounds, and we've talked to them about forgiveness. And we got to address just briefly some of the common things we hear. And I've heard them. Mm -hmm. I know you have as well. Things like, if God is good and he's all-powerful, why didn't he stop that person from doing that to me? You know, sometimes they say, well, I must have blown it. He was punishing me or I've sinned so badly that he's rejecting me. And so mm -hmm. this is just he's casting me aside. Frank, these wounds at the hands of other people can be so severe that they can lead us to doubt our relationship with God. That's how painful some of these can be. Am I right? Yes, John. And I would make a huge distinction and clarification. And again, I hope people don't misinterpret my words. John, I wrote an entire book on pain. Pain is, uh, and painful circumstances and painful wounds have very much been a part of my life. So I get it. But what I have found, and I really believe this to be true, our pain, as great as it is, as deeply as it hurt, as much as it wounded our soul, isn't in itself the issue. It's the lies that the enemy gives us that accompany our pain. 
all those things that you just said, well, God must not love me. He throws that lie at us in our thought processes, and then the pain becomes magnified. God has just rejected me. Oh, that's a lie, but it magnifies the pain. And so it's one thing to be wounded, and we would never want to minimize it. In fact, in the book, Finding in the Gray, we tell people, never, ever minimize your pain. Your pain is to you, real to you. Don't ever compare your pain to somebody else, because that might make you minimize or magnify your pain. But what we do want to do is realize that your pain is magnified by the lies of the enemy who will distort this thing in order to keep you in bondage. God loves you. He is for you. He is therefore against everything that would try to hurt you. And he's ready to make you more than a conqueror over those things. But we have a part to play in it. And one of the major parts is to trust him for the power to forgive and walk the path of freedom of forgiveness. Yeah, you describe a perfectly peaceful solution. At least at at the end, uh, things settle down and you can walk and rest. But as I walk into any given church on Sunday morning, Frank, I don't necessarily see that. I see lots of people from the outside. Things look fine. They smile. They joke. They look relaxed. But you know, at the inside, if they've not forgiven, there's a decay, you know, mm-hmm. slow, steady dying. They can try to ignore it for years, but boy, just touch the right button and out it comes. And as I've talked to people, you find that some stuff, the pain, some try to move on, some try to forget and bury it deep. Others anesthetize, mm-hmm. try to with drugs, alcohol, sex, food, recreation, any other behavior just to keep them from thinking about it. But what you're describing is that our Father wants us to to think about it, to focus on it, so we can forgive and be free. And Frank, that is just so contrary to what the words and the thoughts and the messages that the enemy feeds us, isn't it? Mm. Well, John, yeah, there's a couple of things that pop in my brain as I listen to you. One is... And again, we fight for the church by fighting sometimes against her. We are not against the church. We're for the church. But sometimes you do have to fight against her in order to correct her. And John, one of the things that that popped in my brain is the cliche response to the pain of people. Well, you know, all things work together for good. You know, consider it all joy when you encounter the trials. And you have previously mentioned this is take two verses and call me in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a very simplistic approach to people's pain. I would actually call it spiritual abuse because it's a total failure to align themselves with the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. John, you know, in Luke 4, when he came to comfort the afflicted, to set free the captives, to give a a garland of praise to those who mourn. He doesn't even mention forgiveness. He doesn't mention the cross. He doesn't even mention heaven. He talks about coming an available source of healing to the wounded people of this world. And the church just doesn't 
get that. And then the second thing, John, that came to my mind, and then I'll let you run with these two, I guess, is the fact that because the church doesn't respond as a hospital, as a vessel of comfort, people know that. And so they hide because there is not an arena, an atmosphere, a community that is safe for them to share their struggles. John, I might have mentioned this in podcasts past, but I remember the one that sticks in my brain most of all was a young mama, mother of four, single mom, massive heart attack at 34, 35 years old. She's going to die. She lingered for a couple of weeks. Our church set up a round-the-clock vigil to be with her. And one woman came out of the ICU unit as another was waiting to go in. And I happened to show up just when it happened. The one coming out had tears rolling down her face. And the lady about to go in said, stop those tears. That doesn't manifest victory. And John, sadly, when that's the atmosphere, when that's the conversation, when that's what the church communicates, people get it. And what they get is, this is not a safe place for me to be vulnerable, real, and share my struggle. Wow. Well said, my friend. One thought comes to mind, if crying, showing grief, shedding tears is not victory, then what does that say about our Savior? You know, mm. John devoted an entire verse, only two words, but an entire verse to the fact that Jesus wept. And he didn't just sniffle, he wailed. Mm. And so, you know, we see this repeatedly in the Gospels. Well, my friend, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to cover. But I hope that our listeners, your interest has been whetted. Mm. That you'll come back next time because we're going to pick it up right there. And we're going to begin by focusing on a topic that... Forgiveness is really designed as a gift from your father to set you free from what was done to you and from what you did to yourself because of Mm. what was done to you. We'll cover that in more detail in coming weeks. So thanks for joining us. I do want to give one free plug, shameless plug, to the book Frank mentioned in passing. It's called Finding God in the Gray, The Lonely Path of Pain. We encourage you to check that out. You can see a link for that on our website, which is ourresolutehope.com. It'll take you to Amazon where you can find that and a number of other topics that we've got available for you. Our website is growing richer every day with articles, devotionals, ebooks, newsletters, all designed to lead you to of the truth of Jesus Christ, who is your comforter mm. as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Check us out on all of our social media platforms as well. you find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And as always, we close with the same reminder that we have a hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Uh, Frank and I call it a resolute hope. So today and always, choose that hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.